Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Uh, glad that you guys are here with us today. I had a, a whole intro about how this was the last Sunday of the summer, but that's actually not true. Today is the official first day of, of, uh, of fall, apparently. And so uh, I hope you enjoyed your summer because it's over. <laughs> we are now heading into the six months of winter doldrums. My mind doesn't really work like that with like calendar specifics. And so to me, the summer is like June, July, August, September's kind of hazy, and then the fall is October. Uh, and so I, I was ready to talk about this, this being the last uh, Sunday of, uh, b- before fall starts. And apparently that's not true. Uh, but, but as I was reflecting about the change in seasons, um, I started to think about this, and I hope that you guys can feel this being a part of this community, that this summer was an amazing summer for this church. You know, the things that we got to be a part of in this community, uh, by the grace of God, it was really, really beautiful summer. You know, uh, you might know some of these numbers, but we had like 400 kids go to kids camp here this summer, which was amazing. And we had close to 60 students go down to Florida for for Passion Camp this summer, which was amazing. And we did a a full sermon series called Who Are You Wearing?, which was about a life of discipleship and continued uh, refinement of what is the gospel and what is the Christian life, which was amazing. And we had a class called The Beginning, which is like a four-week intensive where you go from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation chapter 22 in terms of the storyline of the Bible in four weeks. It's the first time that a lot of people engage with scripture like that. I think we had close to 100 people go through that. So that was fun. And then last Sunday, which was technically the last Sunday of the summer, apparently, we baptized 12 elementary school kids in this service in front of the church. And so it was an amazing summer, and I was reflecting on that. And as I reflected on that, it kind of spurred more reflection I started to think about the entirety of the time that I've been here and and the time that I've been on leadership in this staff and uh, on on the church staff, and I'm not the the sappiest person. And sometimes I I really do struggle to like express my emotions. But one thing that's always been true about me from as long as I can remember is that I am very nostalgic. And so the passage of time makes me reflect and think And when I do that, all kinds of things get stirred up inside of me. And the reason that I'm thinking about my time on staff in that way is because in just a couple weeks, on October 10th, it will mark that I have been on this church staff for seven years, which feels like, I mean, it feels like a lifetime because you have to understand that the process uh, for me has been kind of wild. I've I've been, you know, learning as I go. I'd never worked for a church before this. This is the only church I've ever been a part of in my life. I only became a Christian in my early 20s. And so the last seven years uh, have been incredibly dynamic. You know, I've, I've learned and changed and grown and struggled and suffered and enjoyed in ways that I never could have imagined. And God has been good to me and gracious to me in ways that I can't even describe. You know, I just to, to be here on a Sunday and to look around me and to understand that I actually have a church and that I actually have a community, and that I actually have a people is is a really, really beautiful thing for me. And so I'm not gonna walk you through the last seven years of my life, but but I do want to try to keep the main thing the main thing. This kind of came up in my mind as I was reflecting on my experience. And so I wanna begin today by intentionally thinking about the purpose of the local church. 
What is the point of a place like this? What are we as a community attempting to accomplish? What's the goal? What are we doing here? You ever think about questions like that? You know, I think that, that the best questions are oftentimes the most foundational questions, and the most foundational questions are oftentimes the most neglected questions because we think that we're supposed to just know the answer. We think it's self-evident, so we don't really think about those questions, but they're foundational for a reason. It means that the answers to these kinds of questions are very complex. If we allow ourselves to sit in that and to actually reflect on those questions, you might find that you don't actually know how to answer a question like that. What is the purpose of a local church? So let's go there. What, 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 are, we, what are we doing here? What, what's the fundamental purpose of a place like this? And so here's how I would begin to answer that question. I would say that the point of the local church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And to be a disciple is to be a learner and to be an imitator. And so we as a community are supposed to be in the process of formation into the likeness of, of, of Jesus, right? So, so we're supposed to learn him. What is he like? What does he ask of us? And then we as a community are supposed to obediently in the power of the Holy Spirit orient our lives towards that and then move in that direction. We are supposed to become like him. We are to become holy. We are to become sanctified. We are to become marked. We are to become set apart. We give our allegiance to Jesus. And then the, 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 in the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ-likeness is enabled in our lives and it's supposed to manifest in our midst. That is the missional purpose of a local church. We do that as a community. And so if you look around you right now and you look at where you are, it is a blessing to be a part of a place like this. What we have here is, is amazing. We have amazing experiences. We have amazing people. We do events and outreach and teaching and curriculum and worship that I would argue is absolutely top notch. But you have to remember that the excellence is not the point. And the lights, not the point. And the building is not the point. And the achievement of something great is not the point. All of these things are tools that help us facilitate the actual point. The actual point is discipleship. Point is formation. And one of the most beautiful things about committing yourself to a place like this is you will learn and you will see that that actually happens here. Formation into the likeness of Christ is happening in our community. You know, part of the joy of my work is that I get a front row seat to this. So when you think about the church staff, people that work here, um, I, I have the privilege of, of leading and pastoring many of the pastors that are on our staff. And so uh, when I think about some of what I've gotten to see, you know, I think about Matthew McVeigh. If you know Matthew, he's one of our worship leaders and he's actually the worship leader of our next gen ministries. And so he, he is in charge of worship for kids and students. And uh, who he is becoming is remarkable. He's always been a great kid. He's always been a great guy. But I've walked beside him as he has started to become formed into the likeness of Christ. I've seen the fire of God start to burn bright inside of him. He's more like Christ today than he was two years ago. You could see that here in this community that happens here. Bryce Mitchell, who you just heard from, uh, he's, he's our student director. That is not the same man that I met five years ago. You know, he has matured. He has become focused 
on the task that God has put in front of him. He has been obedient to that call. And he's more like Christ than he was all those years ago. The same is true of Robert Bell. If you know Robert, he's on the student team. He leads our welcome team, right? So he is in charge of the hospitality of our church. And you have to remember that hospitality was not a strategy of Jesus. It was the strategy of Jesus. And so that man, Robert, is able to effectively lead that ministry because he has become more and more like Christ over these years. Uh, Emma Yukis. If you know her, she's our small groups director, and she's basically in charge of all of the administration of this church. So if you've gotten connected to a small group, or you have found community here, or you have get plugged into service opportunities, or you have become known in this church, in this community, is basically because of Emma. And the reason that she's able to do that is not just her natural skills and abilities, it's because the heart of Christ has been cultivated in her in this community. And so you start to see the way that this works in a circular fashion, right? The, the, the leaders that I'm describing to you have committed themselves to this kind of life in this community, and they have grown and been formed within this community, and then we, in turn, are the beneficiaries of the fruit that comes in their life, right? It's like the self-sustaining economy of formation and godliness. God is blessing your children right now back in our kids' ministry through Kaylee and Dan, and, and the way that that works is because they have been formed by Christ here. And your children are the recipients of that blessing and that fruit. It's the beautiful economics of the kingdom of God. And so this stuff happens here. This is happening in our midst. It's happening with our other staff members. It's happening with many of you. And like I said, I get invited into your lives. And I get to see this in many of your lives. Uh, uh, I get a front row seat to the wonderful, transformative power of God working in you and through you. I get to watch you become like Jesus. I get to watch the very point of the local church and what I would argue is the very point of life manifest right in front of me. And so it has been a beautiful ride to be here and to be a part of this. But of course, and this is one of the challenges of the Christian life, it's a process, right? So it's happening it's not that it's happened, it's happening, it's continuous. The process of transformation, the life of discipleship is constant and ongoing. And so the question remains today and the question will remain for your whole life, how do we continue to become like Christ? How do we continue down that road? And when you think about becoming like Jesus, it can feel daunting, right? It's like anything, when you think about the end, when you think about the goal and you think about how are you gonna get there? right? To be holy and sanctified. If you examine your life right now, it's going to be apparent to you that there's a lot left to be transformed, right? If you think about becoming like Jesus, you're going to think about yourself and be like, I don't feel like I'm that much like him yet. And that's because you're not. So how do we not become discouraged by that? When we see the end, when we see how far we have to go, how do we not become discouraged when you stand at the bottom of a mountain and you look up at the top and you say, I'm supposed to get there? How am I gonna get there? How am I gonna get to the top of, of, of that mountain, right? Even on a more practical level, think about your life. 
Think about what's on your docket for today, what's on your docket for the week, all these boxes to check, all these things to do, all these things to get done, all these activities and sports that you have to somehow get your kids to, and you have to work, and you have to uh, keep your home somewhat cleanly. And, and you think about that, and it's like, how am I gonna get all of that done? How am I gonna get that done this week? Uh, I used to watch this TV show, this amazing TV show on the Food Network called Man vs. Food. You guys are familiar with this, but the host's name was Adam Richman. And he would take on these insane eating challenges where he would have to eat like a 75 ounce steak or like a hundred hot wings. And my brother Kenny and I used to laugh because he would always end up in this state of what we would call the meat sweats, where it's just, that's too much of that same thing. <laughs> His body's like reacting against it physically. And if you put yourself in that situation and you had a hundred hot wings in front of you, you would think about the empty plate at the end of that and you would say, how am I ever gonna do that? How am I gonna get through all that? Same is true of a life with Christ. Think about how much work God has to do in your life and you wonder, how am I ever gonna become like that? And so it is easy to look at the end and to become discouraged. And in that discouragement, we tend to become paralyzed, right? If you look at the top of the mountain, you think you're not gonna make it, then why, why take any steps at all? And so we kind of freeze sometimes. And so what I'm hoping to accomplish today is to address this. And hopefully at the end, every person in this room leaves with something on your mind and something on your heart that you can do right now to move in the direction of Jesus. And the way that I wanna get into this is I wanna read that verse that was up here earlier, the call of Peter and Andrew. And so this is Matthew chapter four, 18 to 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And so this is the call of the disciples because they followed him. Right? That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. And it's always interesting to me which stories I gravitate to in the scriptures. Which stories do I come back to voluntarily? And uh, for me personally, uh, I, I come back to the call of the disciples a lot. You know, I, I, something about it strikes me because Jesus calls these men to follow him and he asks them to leave everything they know and he invites them to become his disciples. And I'm enamored with their responses to this because the invitation that Jesus makes is actually pretty unclear. And in many ways, it's very daunting, right? Put yourself in their perspective right now. What does it mean to become fishers of men? I don't think that they know. What will the process be like? I don't think they know. What will be asked of them? I don't think that they know. What are all the ways that the power of God through their faithfulness is gonna reach into their life and transform them? They don't know. And what I find fascinating about that is that they don't know because Jesus doesn't tell them. The, the call of discipleship that he makes is not a sales pitch and it's not a 10-step plan 
of discipleship. He doesn't show them all the places in their lives that are filled with ungodliness and then give them a process and an order of operations and how those things are gonna be transformed into godliness. All he says is this. He says, come and follow me and I will make you something you are not. Come and follow me. At this point in their life, at this moment, there's, there's, there's one step. There's one thing that's in front of them. There's one thing that God calls them to. Drop your nets and follow Jesus. Take that step. Later, there will be other steps. But now, there's only the step that's in front of them. And so the call of discipleship is to take that step. Take that step that's in front of you. And so listen, we should probably start there, right? If you are in the room today and you have not taken that literal step you have to follow Jesus, you have to understand there's a call in your life. You have to understand that the grace of God is knocking on the door and he wants you. And he wants to give you this life of blessing and he wants you to stop trying to find fulfillment in all of these other things that are never gonna give it to you. And he wants that frustration and that friction in your life to go away. And he wants you to turn to the only thing that can give you what your heart was created for. And you don't have to live in the madness of the secular promises anymore. You really don't have to follow that. You don't have to be frustrated and you don't have to be left empty. You can really have the real thing and so if you haven't taken that step, then maybe now's the moment to take that step. Maybe that's what God is calling you to. Maybe that's a step. If that is the step in front of you, then I have to urge you and counsel you to take it because it's being put in front of you for a reason. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, some of you have taken that first step. And so what we have to figure out is what's the next step? right? This is the life of faith. What I specifically don't mean is that you need to figure out what's at the end of the road, right? If you read the gospel stories and you try to read it from the perspective of the disciples, you're going to see that the journey is surprising in terms of where they end up. The end is never what they think that it's going to be. And all that Jesus is going to do in their lives is unpredictable in terms of outcome and in terms of who they ultimately become and in terms of what they're transformed into. And that's going to be true of your life as well. You don't know. We don't know how it's going to go. We don't know how it's going to end up. So what should we do? Well, we should do the only thing that you can ever actually do, which is to take the step that's in front of you. To take that step. You want to eat the elephant? Well, you got to take the first bite. And then you got to take the next bite. And you got to take the next bite. You want to get to the top of the mountain? You got to take that first step. And then the next step. And then the next step. And the only step that you can ever take in the moment is the step that's in front of you. And so on a very, very practical level, you have to understand that as we follow Jesus, this is always the call. This is always the life of faith. Who will God make you in 10 years? Who knows? What are all the ways you'll be transformed as you follow Jesus? Who knows? What are all the aspects of your life that he will touch and make holy? And how will that happen? Who knows? But if you allow yourself to be honest and reflective, I bet that you can answer this question. What is God asking you to do today? What is it? What is that pull on your heart? What's the next step? You know, when we talk about conviction of the spirit, it doesn't mean that the spirit of God makes you feel guilty about 
the, the wrong in your life. It means that the spirit of God speaks to you. And so I'm saying this right now, and I'm talking about there being something that God is pulling on your heart about, and there's something in your mind. You know what that is. That's the spirit of God. And so what is it? What's the next step? He tells Peter and Andrew to drop their nets and follow him because at that moment in their life, they're fishermen and he has other plans for them. And so what do they do? Well, they don't ask about what's down the road and they don't think about what's down the line. They drop their nets and they follow him. They go, they take the step that God has put in front of them in that moment, right? When God appears to Abraham in Genesis 12, he tells him to leave Haran where he settled and go to a new land that God will one day give him. And he says, I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you and I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And through you, all the nations will be blessed, which is a big promise, but God doesn't say how that's gonna happen. He doesn't give him the order of operations that will unfold. He doesn't outline the plan. He says, today, there's something in front of you that I'm asking of you. I'm asking you to go. Take that step. And Abraham goes. Now, Abraham will become something over the years. And Peter will become something over the years. But at the moment that we read these stories, it's not detailed. It's not outlined. The top of the mountain is not what God calls them to look at. It's not what he calls them to focus on. He says, take the next step. Take the step that's in front of you. Take the step that you can take today. This is important for us to understand. You know, you will not be fully sanctified tomorrow. And at the end of this week, you will not be who God will one day make you. But there's something in your life. There is something at this moment right now that God is asking of you. There is a next step. There is a step for you to take. That's the life of faith. So I want you to take a moment. And I want you to think, what is it that God is laying on your heart? What is that conviction of the spirit? What is that pull? What is that nudge? What is that thing? What's the step that he's asking you to take? Maybe it's something that you need to turn away from. Maybe it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Maybe it's something like pornography right? If you're seeking gratification in that, then intimacy with your spouse or your future spouse and intimacy with God is being stifled in your life right now. That's not good. That's not good. God does not want that in your life. He doesn't want you to wallow in that. He wants to have you. And so maybe that's the step. Maybe you have to turn away from that today. Maybe that's what he's laying on your heart. Maybe that's the step that you're supposed to take. If it is, and take it. Maybe it's something you're supposed to turn towards, right? Maybe you struggle to come to church and worship God with the people of God. And uh, uh, maybe you're here today, but, but it's hard for you to get here. Uh, and maybe it's schedule, or maybe it's just something that you don't always feel like doing. It's pretty easy to, to anonymously not be here on a Sunday. Well, Maybe that's the step that God is putting in front of you right now. Maybe you need to commit to being here. Maybe you need to take that step. Maybe you have no Christian community. So you're trying to live this thing out, but you have no people in your life who are scratching and clawing and fighting in this world as Christians. And so maybe you need to find that. And so maybe you need to join a small group, right? We have those here and, and, and they're amazing. If that's what is on your heart right now, then maybe you need to take that step. 
Maybe he's putting that in front of you and that's the step for you to take. Maybe you don't pray very much, right? Now, when we pray, we access the throne room of God. And so when, when uh, we, we say thanks to God, when the meal is set in front of us, we enter into his presence as his children and we just simply thank him for you know, the creator and sustainer of the cosmos for this small piece of sustenance that he's put in front of us. And when we say that prayer of thanksgiving, it is an act of holy spiritual war and the gates of hell are beaten back. Something about it feels blocked, right? It doesn't feel natural. It doesn't come flowing out of me. It doesn't feel spontaneous. And so we don't pray very much. And so maybe that's the step that you need to take today. Maybe that's what God is calling you to. Maybe you need to promise God that you'll pray and then pray not because it's easy and natural and spontaneous, but because you promised God that you would. If that is what you feel, then maybe that's the step that you need to take. And you could go down the list of steps that might be put upon your heart in a moment like this. But you see what I'm getting at here, right? The life of formation and discipleship is multifaceted and it's long and it's slow. Eugene Peterson says that a life with God is a long, slow faithfulness in the same direction. It's a long road, it's a slow trek, and so is climbing a mountain. And so is eating an elephant. Because of that, we find ourselves paralyzed. And so we don't move at all. And we can think about the life with God that the scriptures describes and the Sermon on the Mount and the life of the community that Paul highlights. And we can think, yeah, that's a good goal, but it's pretty unrealistic. And so we don't move. So the question is, what are you supposed to do? Well, today, you're supposed to take the step that's in front of you. You're supposed to take the bite that's on your fork. What is it? What is it? Where is God asking you to step right now? Now, the, the tone of the last you know, 15 minutes or so is challenging, right? I'm asking you to like examine your life and confront things that you know are supposed to be different. And because most of us are not healthy emotionally, when, when we find those things, we don't think of those as exciting, beautiful opportunities to be formed further into the likeness of God. We think of those things as failure and shame. And so we shrink away from it. So, so I understand that what I'm asking you to do is, is, is challenging, but I hope that you can see the beauty and the grace if what I'm saying is true. Because if what I'm saying is true, then it means that every single moment of your life, is bubbling with the possibility of transformation. Big and small, exciting and mundane, every moment, every decision, the very point of life is right there waiting. Transformation is available. And so not only is the Christian life not unrealistic, it is the most realistic thing imaginable. All you have to do is take the step that's in front of you. You have to identify that step. But if it's there, then transformation is there and holiness is there and growth is there, but you have to take it. You have to take it. And when you do, the unfathomable can happen. Like think about some of the things that I just said, how simple they are. 
What I'm saying is that if you actually take that small step, you start to become like Christ. It starts to happen in your life. It starts to manifest in you. That transformation starts to become real when you pray before you eat, when you pray before bed, when you open the Bible and read, when you, when you are in Christian community, right? Even those little things that just kind of feels like something we're supposed to do in faith, we're transformed. How does that work? Well, it's because when, when you step into the current of the power of God, you step into the power of God, right? What I'm not putting in front of you today is a rah-rah self-improvement plan. Not putting in front of you life hacks. I'm talking about the power of God. And this is what Paul says about it in Ephesians chapter 3, 20 through 21. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Imagine what you wanna ask God for. He can do immeasurably more. And the power is already within you as a believer. And so why does transformation happen when we take this step? When you, if you start to pray, let's just say prayer before bed, pretty simple. A lot of us were taught to do that when we were children, right? If you take that step and you start to pray before bed, doesn't really seem like a big deal. Why does that lead to transformation? Because you step into the power of God. And the power of God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And so we keep in step with the spirit, but it is the spirit of God. It is the power of God that meets us in our faithfulness and then brings blessing and transformation and fruit. That's what's on the table here. When I talk about taking a step, you're gonna take it or you're gonna leave it. What is it that you're taking or leaving? Well, it's the power of God and the blessings that come from that. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about blessings the way that the world talks about blessings. I'm not talking about your wealth. And I'm not talking about material stuff. And I'm not talking about fleeting happiness. And I'm not even really talking about pleasure. Those things can be beautiful gifts. What I'm talking about is real blessings, life with God, inner transformation, wholeness and healing. This is what is on the table in these small steps that we see in front of us every day. Now, the reality is, is that it is possible for you to not take the step. You can stay where you are. But if you do, I want you to understand what you're missing out on. The immeasurable power of God to bring blessing and goodness into your life. You're missing out on the power of God forming you and shaping you into that which you were always created to be. And so my counsel for our church today is don't miss that. Don't miss that. Don't leave that on the table. I was getting a little bit uh, sappy, at least for me earlier, when I was talking about this church and what this church means to me, you do not understand, if you're a part of this church, the blessings that you have poured into my life. Don't, I cannot describe it to you. And I usually say that I'll go to, to coffee and talk to you about anything theological. I probably won't talk about that. It's, it's too much. I don't know how to describe it, but, but it does mean that I really care about this place. I don't want you to leave this on the table. I don't want you to miss out on this, right? It's right there, if only 
we'll, 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 we'll step into it. Uh, forget about the end of the road. Know that God is good. Know that where he's leading you is good. Besides that, I don't have a lot of detail for you. You don't need to think about the mountain peak. You need to think about the next step. You don't need to think about the empty plate of food at the end. You need to think about that, you know, that next chicken wing. One out of a hundred. Then you got to eat the second one out of a hundred. I have examples in my life where this is true. You know, one of the awkward things about standing up here and, and, and speaking like this is I speak about things that are incomplete in my own life. Right? So everything that I'm saying to you is in progress in my life. I mean, I'm not even saying that I'm advanced or far along in that. It's all something that's happening in my life. So I have moments of faithfulness where I take it and then I reflect on it and I see the blessings of God in my life. But there's all kinds of things that I have not yet taken that step uh, and, and, and where transformation is, is still available. So I'll give you an example uh, to end today of a place where I took that step. And then I'll give you an example of a place where I have not yet really taken that step that I know that God is calling me to. And so uh, to start with uh, the, the, the good news, to start with where I've felt the power of God in my life in 2015, early in my journey of ever being a part of a church, uh, Joel led Jenna and I, my wife, into an opportunity to tithe to give 10% to the local church. Now, I did not know about this. I didn't know it was a thing. It was not something I had prepared when I was thinking about our budget. I certainly didn't know that it's required, which it is. A lot of us don't know that. And so I was, I was not ready for that. And so it was Jenna and Joel who, who led me in that direction. And it was just kind of one of those moments of blind faith. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know if it was going to ruin our fine. I had no idea. And so I took a step. When I reflect on my life as a Christian, I honestly think that that was the first time I'd ever intentionally taken a step before. It's not the first time I believed in God but I really think that that was the beginning of my life of discipleship because there was something in front of me. There was a step to take and it was clear and it was clear I was being called to it and I didn't really wanna do it, but I took it. And so from that moment forward, it kind of feels like that was the beginning of my life of discipleship. And the way that I've been blessed in that is hard for me to describe to you. Like I said, it's not transactional. I have not become more wealthy. In fact, I left the pretty good paying job, and now I work for a church. So that's not the promise that God puts in front of us, but he does put promises in front of us. And he does put blessings in your life. And I have been blessed moving in that direction. And so look, uh, I'm not saying it's easy to do something like tithing, but it's pretty simple and it's commanded. And that step is in front of you. And I have experience uh, that, that I took it and my life has been changed ever since that moment, in so many different ways, right? Okay, what about where I have not yet stepped into this? Um, one of the reasons I spoke so deeply about prayer is because I'm not good at praying. It's not natural for me. It's not spontaneous for me. It's very hard for me to sit quietly without some kind of stimulation, whether it's a book or you know, TV or YouTube or podcasts. And so to sit, in the presence of God, in some kind of meditation, uh, 
in some kind of you know, state where I'm trying to feel the presence of God, to speak to him about my inner desires, to ask him for what I want, to ask him without feeling shame or rejection. Those are not easy things for me. And so prayer seems simple. It's not easy to sit there and to do that. And so I've never had a life of deep prayer, never had a prayerful life. And uh, you know, every time that we have a conversation as a staff, or that I watch some, some leader of the church speak about the spiritual disciplines, it's always prayer that pulls on my heart. It's always prayer that the Spirit of God is asking from me. And I have not yet taken that step. And one of the things that's amazing about the fact that I have not really taken that step to have a prayerful life is that I know what happens when you step into the faithfulness of God. I know what awaits me. I know what kind of blessings, I know what kind of wholeness, I know what kind of healing, right? And so, you know, I'm asking you guys, what's in front of you today? You need to take that step. Well, what's in front of me today? That is, I have to take that step. I have to somehow implement some kind of practice into my life where that's happening. You know, I know that that's what's in front of me. I can feel it from God. So I have to take the next step, the next step of faith. That is the Christian life. And so the Christian life is simple. It's not easy, but it's pretty simple. It is to take the step that's in front of you. And so I wanna invite you to take it today. Whatever that is, whatever you feel when we are discussing it, whatever that little brain worm that gets in there when I start talking like this, whatever that tug on your heart, it's a step that God has put in front of you today. And it's the only step that you can take. And when you do, you step into the immeasurable power of God that could do more than you can ask or imagine in your life, right? But you have to take the step. Don't leave it on the table. All right, let's pray. God, we approach you today with uh, thanksgiving and uh, humility, and we thank you for the breath in our lungs and the life that we get to live and the world that we get to live in. And uh, we thank you for the fact that we can taste food and that we can hear beautiful sounds and we can see beautiful things, all, all of that we have a conscience and the consciousness and all the things that we tend to take for granted in terms of existence are all but gifts from you. And so we, we step to you today and we thank you for those things. And we thank you specifically for the scriptures that can enlighten our hearts. And we thank you for the church community uh, into which we, we may become your disciples and become formed. I pray for a spirit of boldness in the church today that if there is something on the hearts of anybody in this room that you give uh, power and enablement to, to move towards that with boldness because we love you and we trust you and we know that you're calling us into something and even if it's difficult, we know that it's for our blessing and it's for our good. And so please God, give us bravery, give us courage to step into those things. Take away the spirit of shame that tends to come up when we think about the things in our lives that are not going as they should and instead allow us to approach the, uh, those things and those moments with expectancy and excitement because we know that those are the places that the Spirit of God wants to do its deepest transformational work. And so uh, allow us to step into that, God. Uh, we love you. We believe that you're good and we trust you. Uh, it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, thank you guys for joining us today. We will see you next week, all right? Shut it.